Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to the HP Podcast, episode number 266. I'm Ben, and with me here today are the most beautiful boys you've ever seen in your entire lives. That might be a slight overstatement, but not much of one. Dave, the bearded one, well, we're all bearded, I guess, but you're not normally the bearded one. How are you doing? Uh, having an interesting week, but yeah, uh, me too. Me too. happy to be here. I'm learning a lot about babies, mm. or a baby. Mm. But yeah, I'm, just uh, one specific baby. I'm being stereotypical and assuming I'm painting with a broad brush here, but um, babies have a real problem with that when you, you know, paint them with a brush in general, I think. So, yeah, babies. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know be- before, but uh, it makes perfect sense. But I guess they go through uh, like these developmental leaps yeah. where you get like a month of like Animal Crossing. And then suddenly it's a week of doom. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's weird to think about it because like you'd think they'd always be in this state of just like pain and suffering and violence because of like how quickly their bodies are growing. But apparently it just happens like for a week, every month or so. So yeah, we're going through one of those, but, yeah. uh, it is what it is, I guess. So, so enough about your wife. How's the kid doing? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, sorry. She, <laughs> she, yeah, the baby takes everybody down with her. So it's, yeah. it's you're, you're not totally inaccurate there. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair. I don't know how you've done. You've got two. I think done, I do. Three, yeah, two. Yeah. So two. You've, you've done this two. twice. You're you're a better man than I because I'm uh, done it one done. I suppose. Well, you're um you're currently like stay at home dad right like you're off work for a little while and it's all on you that makes it tougher for sure it's not all yeah. on me like my wife is working from home so uh right but yeah okay yeah. okay that's fair yeah, yeah. but it's but... different than like having i know you work from home sometimes too but like having those couple hours to just not have to worry about it even if there's somebody else there that definitely was probably how i did it and i'm and like not a, just a couple hours for me but you're yeah. probably like me too where i'm like a modern dad and like when people use the babysitter sitter word i get really angry and yeah. uh, when we were on vacation um my daughter was crying and i was holding her and trying to soothe her and and i got uh where's her mothered and that, that kind of like somebody came up and they're like so where's her mother and i'm like what that's fuck you yeah like I'm I'm matter. Yeah, yeah like does it matter like yeah. Yeah. exactly so sh- that, that's when you're you're like she's dead and then just walk away <laughs> thanks for bringing it up yeah yeah so brandon, i'm, uh, I'm oh, a sorry, strong dude. modern dad but uh, good yeah anyways good glad to hear it brandon uh with us here as well the other most beautiful boy brandon in the infamous cow head shirts one of my favorites that you have 
um yeah just show it off there for the audience they appreciate that uh the nose placement is what gets me because it just kind of <sighs> just soft in there you know on the gut you know yeah and it fluctuates depending on the time of year so that's kind yeah. of the magic of it um it's about to get a bit bigger i've fin just finished my first uh, oh no Bud Light platinum of the evening and in fact i happen to have another one sitting right here ready for when i'm done with that one so, Brandon, do you like bud light platinum not really i didn't think so i, I mean does anybody actually like light beer i, I, I don't know americans did no like i'm serious though when you're drinking it are you thinking mm, 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 this tastes scrum diddly umptious <laughs> I might as well be a Willy goddamn Wonka's factory right now. This shit is candy. Nobody's <laughs> ever. I could be wrong. I could be yeah, wrong. I, I'm sure there are some people who like it, but the it's reason funny. the advertising for for light beer is all about the health benefits of it and not the taste. There's a reason for that. No, there's it, a reason for it. Actually, you know what? Now that you put it that way, that's actually why I'm drinking it for my health. For your health? Yeah, you're trying to. It's like vitamins over there. Got to get them in somehow. Yeah, dude, one time I used to DJ when I was in high school and college and very rarely, I mean, we'd always get like free drinks and stuff while we were DJing, but sometimes we'd be like DJing a party and they'd be like, hey, we got all this beer left over. Do you want some? We're like, yeah, absolutely. Of course we do. We're like 22 years is. old. Of course we want beer. And uh, one time Bush somebody light. sent me home. Well, I did get some Bush Light one time that I actually did turn down. But one time somebody sent me home with a case of Bud Light Lime. I thought I was going to die because Bud Light Lime on its own, you know, I know I'm a snob, but also like it's not good, but it wasn't just that it was Bud Light Lime. It was skunked to hell Oof. and Bud Light Lime is already bad enough without it being skunked. Uh, we still drink it all. Don't you get me to. wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, but it was not good. It I was real angry bad. if you didn't. Yeah. This was, um, man, that's going on like 15 years ago. So yeah, but, we go. but no, uh, just, uh, Sipping on a beer ski, yeah, and uh, talking games with the boys. We're yeah. all facial haired out this week, so I'm feeling like extra. Like mm -hmm. this beer's hitting different right now. Yeah, I'm looking at you guys right now. I get that. I get that. Stone cold in the chat. Jesus, Stone, Stone cold in the chat says, "Handsome Phantom is the best podcast in the USA," and that's the bottom line. Uh, that is what Stone Cold said. So we're getting a different wrestler every week now. This is exciting. I like this. Uh, I have a feeling. It's the same person <laughs> posing as the no. wrestlers, but I can't prove it. So we're just going to say, yeah. Dude, I'm trying to get Rey Mysterio next week, man. Make it happen. Fingers oh. crossed Trish Stratus shows up next week. That'd be cool. <laughs> Dude, be pretty cool. Got to get a fucking Tombstone pile driver up in here. <laughs> Who's your guys' favorite wrestler? Like, I'm talking like 1996 to 2002 era. Favorite wrestler. Uh, I, I, I'm not just saying this, but it was Stone Cold Steve Austin. I hated yeah. The Rock. But uh, oh my I god! Really like I still hate the Rock. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a some, piece of shit. There's some truth in that. Um, I gotta but, say, uh, mine was probably probably the Undertaker. Dude, the Undertaker is legendary. Some he's of the still best doing plot the, lines, honestly. Dude, he's still doing the Lord's. He's work. still doing it. Yeah, dude. In between him and Kane back in the day, mm. it's good shit, man. And and shout out to Rey Mysterio, also one of my favorites. Tiny man did some acrobatic ass shit. I'm not a wrestling guy. But I've been known to watch a little bit back in the day. Very theatrical. Yeah, I'm not a wrestling guy modern day. And and even back then, I wasn't as much um, because I think the times just, I mean, there wasn't like, 
the times didn't align for me to watch it because of something right. I had going. I don't know, but I always wanted to get really into wrestling, and even still, sometimes I'm like, man, this this is cool. I want to be into it. But I'm I'm just wondering, like, wrestling's always been a little bit nerdy, right? We mm-hmm. we know that. Like, it's never been sure. like America's sport or the world sport or whatever. It's theater. It's, it's theater. like watching a play. Yeah. It's amazing theater. <laughs> I remember uh, it, when it w- it's like the it's like the best soap opera possible for men. When I was into it briefly in like grade seven and eight, and I would, whenever it would come up, like people who didn't watch it would always say the same thing. And yeah, say, you know it's fake, right? You know it's and I'm fake, like, yeah. right? I know it's not about that. It's about the storyline. <laughs> yeah, just watch well, and then you dick. Like it, can, like, like, it can be fake, but you understand the acrobatics some of those guys have to pull yeah, off. Come on, that's still entertaining, but. I don't know, but what dude. I was gonna what I was gonna say is wrestling's always been you know somewhat nerdy, but like I feel like in the last seven to ten years, maybe even less than that, uh, video games and wrestling, specifically professional wrestling, has kind of the lines between them have kind of blurred. There's always been wrestling games. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying like the there seems to be much more of an overlap. But maybe it's just I didn't notice it before. But does that act, should... does that seem accurate? Are you sure it's not the video game people just trying to leech off of another subculture? Maybe the video game people are becoming wrestlers. I wouldn't know any any large large gaming outlet that would do that. No. Wait. What? <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> this is the HP Podcast, a show about video games and professional wrestling, except not the professional wrestling part, but sometimes. We're live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or whatever it is, Eastern Time. Just go with that. Type it into Google. You'll find it. You can also find us on podcast services pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Handsome Phantom. We appreciate having you guys over there. You can support us there for as little as $1.00. A month you get ad free early access to the show if you're an audio listener and the other place you can find us is hanging out on our discord over at handsomefandom.com slash discord where we hang out with all the cool cats and john cena shows up but we don't even know it because he's invisible i stole that from a comment in the chat by the way you stole that from his entire bit dude well (laughs) benji bop in chat a few minutes said a few minutes ago said it's a shame if john cena shows up we'll never know is there okay Let's just get into the wrestling a little bit more here. Is there any lamer bit than John Cena? John Cena's whole thing. I know that they're much more complex than this, but John Cena's like whole thing is you can't see me. It's like, sure. St- stupid. I thought uh, mankind's like sock hand thing. Yeah, I was, was never a mankind. I was never a mankind fan. What about Randy Macho Man Savage? Yeah, you can't. Now that's be. a bit I can get behind. Maybe one of the <laughs> yeah. greatest of all time. I mm-hmm. actually feel like I've done a disservice to the whole community by not mentioning him earlier. So yeah, do you guys go back any further? Like, were you in the, were you into the, the the Hogan era at all? A little bit. Those America. were the days. Those were the that days. Was like that was before everybody knew wrestling was fake. That was back when it was like the WWF, yeah. right? Yeah, instead of the WWE. Yeah, they had to change it. Yeah. They did have to change it. I remember that it whole was, thing. It's, it's like a stage Davis. act. Dude, I remember people selling like T-shirts that said WWF, trying to make like bank because they were like, "Use your collector's items now," and they are. I mean, now they are, but then it was like it happened two weeks ago, man. It's not worth anything yet. <laughs> Let it breathe, brother. <laughs> Let it breathe a little bit. Let's start off in our jolly podcast here with some depressing news. Number one, 
Sony has reportedly axed an unannounced Twisted Metal live service game as part of today's mass layoffs. I know Erratic in the chat is weeping. Bloomberg revealed the cancellation, stating that the game was in early development at UK studio Fire Sprite, but wasn't yet greenlit. The layoffs, affecting around 900 staff, or 8% of its global PlayStation workforce, hit various studios, including Insomniac, Naughty Dog, and Fire Sprite. But interestingly, not Media Molecule. That's a head-scratcher there. What? Herman Hulst, head of PlayStation Studios, confirmed some games had been canceled in a reevaluation of how we operate. PlayStation's London studio is set to shut down as well. Sony's admission of lower-than-expected PS5 sales during the holiday quarter adds to the challenging period. Moreover, no PlayStation franchise games are slated for release before April of 2025. That's about 14 months from now, signaling a tough road ahead for Sony and PlayStation. Brandon, you, you got that reaction I was looking for with the what about Media Molecule. Yeah, bro. Um, let me just say something. It might not be the best idea to throw the going away party for the CEO less hmm. than a work week away from when all of the employees are going to be dumped in the trash. Um, maybe not the best timing to say bye to your beloved CEO. Um, and then a week later, it's like, well, you're next. Mm. Um, nonetheless, I digress. Are you trying to say Jim Ryan was down downsized? Uh, I'm trying to say Jim Ryan probably had nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, but... <laughs> I think his name was on the letter, though, wasn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, he's gone in mean? like two days. I don't know. If I was gonna say, what does that mean? mean? Like, you know, his letter. Anyone could do that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a little strange, man. Um, especially after dreams, and especially after the LBP fiasco. Um, you would think that we'd be seeing some bigger cuts from Media Molecule of all studios available. Uh, so this is kind of a, a, a head scratcher for me. The only thing I could possibly think of is that they saw the potential of dreams. Okay. And then they're still working on something that's bigger in a, in a, in a, in a larger iteration of that kind of like the Roblox esque game model, kind of like the new Fortnite esque game model, something that's like an all encompassing game. That's the only thing I could possibly fucking imagine that would spare them is that Sony knows something about media molecule that they're working on that we have no idea about. That's the only thing I could possibly think of. Unless you guys have another idea. I'm just spitballing here. But, like, I can't fathom why of all of the people to let go. And I don't want anybody to be let go. I'm just going right. to make that clear. But it seeing them omitted from this list is kind of confusing to me. Well, yeah, I think that there's two things. One, Radic just mentioned in the chat. The studio won a BAFTA. They aren't shutting down anytime soon. That's true. And two... I think it's unusual within in the case of other studios being shut down, but you know they just did some layoffs last year at Medium Molecule, and they're probably bringing the rest of the studios into like getting rid of that, for lack of a better way to say it, that COVID bloat. You know, everything kind of snuck up and expanded during COVID, and so now dead they're weight. laying off some of those people. I don't know. I don't want to say dead weight. I'm sure they were valuable employees, but um, yeah, they probably had less fat to trim than other people did. But Dave, the other one. Gorilla didn't really get that hard, get hit that hard, interestingly enough. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of people losing their jobs here. Uh, what's what's and last week we talked about Sony's sales numbers for PS5 being down from where they expected. They adjusted everything, kind of nutty. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that this seems to be the industry trend, and I feel like every single week we're talking about a new round of layoffs from a different company from a different corner of the industry. So. 
Um, if we're not in a recession now, we're pretty damn close to it. And when people can't afford to buy groceries, then discretionary spending is usually an unfortunate victim. So, I mean, it's just sort of the reality of the situation we're in right now. I do have to uh, give a bit of a a bit of recognition to her, the way it was communicated from Herman Holst. I don't know if we've ever seen this much detail or transparency from like one person in, in these layoffs. Um, again, he's dealing with multiple different studios. So I think it's helpful that he said, you know, it's affecting this studio, this studio, this studio, and he's giving some specifics. So yeah. I do have to kind of shout out that I've always liked Herman Hulse's um, professionalism and I, I'm glad he's in the position he's in while the company is going through what it is now. So yeah, I don't know. Bungie better deliver Haven, whatever the hell they're doing. They really better deliver because, um, to see, insomniac and naughty dog and gorilla um have you know people on the chopping block and and you know i know bungie went through some stuff a little while ago it's it's sad and and i'm i'm just starting to feel like with with last week's news of um you know sony reducing some of its sales targets on both the hardware and software side and we know they're making a move towards games as a service not fully but at least a substantial part are we kind of at the end of the golden age for Sony? Are we not going to be seeing these regular banger single player narrative releases with, you know, the God of Wars and the Spider-Mans and the last of us and the uncharted and all that stuff that made Sony so great for so many years. Is this kind of signaling the end of that? I, I really hope not, but I, I also don't have anything to point to, to say I'm wrong. So yeah. it's very sad. I hope we don't have to keep talking about these layoffs, but um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is in 2024. As I much as you? it sucks to, much as it sucks to say, I think that layoffs. Obviously, there's a lot of other things that can help a company get better, including you know people who are paid a lot taking less money. But I don't, I'm not a proponent of that necessarily. But I think usually when companies have to do layoffs or restructure of any kind, shutdowns, um, you they end up looking stronger in the next quarter, and they're not. I mean, yeah, they had to adjust their expectations for sales but they're not hurting they're definitely not behind the everybody else so i don't know that there's a lot to worry about but i do agree with the overall sentiment dave for sure i forgot to mention one thing about um normally when i hear that a franchise is shifting into games as a service i kind of shudder a little bit Mm. but i think twisted metal would have fit that perfectly yeah <laughs> so yeah. it's really it's really sad to see that this is potentially a victim of 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 this restructuring and and downsizing but uh yeah i was looking forward to seeing twisted metal come back and I, again i think the twisted metal in a games as a service would have been pretty freaking cool so yeah, yeah. i agree hopefully and it comes back at some point honestly i think moreover guys is there's just like a problem with the structure of gaming companies in the west i feel like this is coming off the back of a lot of information we're getting about a really popular studio that's doing really well from software. And I feel like these companies inflate so large and have such large ambitions that they inevitably, when things slow down, have to cut back. And you take From, for instance, who has a game that, you know, maybe the deadline wasn't pushed. People were upset that the DLC took two years, but you have a lot of senior people, not new people. You keep the people around. You keep the company small. You don't worry as much about deadlines. And in the West, we can't do that because we have profit margins to meet. We have dead, you know, we have quarterly earnings we have to meet. We have fiduciary duties. And I feel like there needs to be an entire like shift in idea 
of how we make games. They don't need to be as big. Um, we don't need to have as much talent. It can take longer. Keep the people around that are doing good work for you, and the product will show that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if anything, From's a perfect example. And they said, how can you consistently be putting out this good of content? And it's like, well, because it took two years, and it's a DLC, and we have a lot of the same people that have been with us from the beginning. And well, let's, I let's get into that real quick, Brandon. That's the next yeah. news story here. Uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki, the boss from Soft, recently talked about the idea of remaking Bloodborne and why waiting for news for newer hardware might be a good idea. He mentioned how much the game means to both the fans and the team, expressing his happiness at seeing the continued passion for it. Miyazaki believes that remakes benefit from newer hardware, allowing for improvements in graphics and performance, but he also emphasized the importance of accessibility for players. He couldn't provide specific details about a Bloodborne remake, but he did express gratitude for the game's dedicated fan base. Meanwhile, From Software is busy with the development of the Elden Ring expansion, Shadow of the Erd Tree, set to release on June 21st. The expansion promises a vast new map and innovative field design, expanding the game's world. The recent announcement has sparked excitement amongst fans, leading to a resurgence in Elden Ring's popularity. The game, which celebrates its second anniversary this week, has seen a significant increase in concurrent players, likely fueled by anticipation for the upcoming DLC. With over 23 million units sold, Elden Ring remains a monumental release for From Software. So yes, Brandon, continue on that train of thought you were on, if you like. Yeah, all I was saying, and also um, something important that wasn't in what you wrote, is that from doesn't own the IP. Right. From does not own Bloodborne IP. And that was the, like, take nothing else away from anything he said about, about Bloodborne. It's not his to remake. You know, right. it's, it's, it's just, it's not From's to remake. It just isn't. I'm betting if they pushed for it, they'd get the permission. But yeah. Probably, yeah, it's just. Probably not top priority list when you're selling 23 million units of Elden Ring. Right, exactly. So I would love for Bluepoint it's literally perfect. It's literally fucking perfect. Let Bluepoint take it. Um, yeah. But either way, I don't necessarily agree with the whole hardware thing. I think that maybe Bloodborne would do just fine on PS5 is what I'm trying to say. But um, nonetheless, yeah, like I, like I was saying, I just think there is an issue with the way we make games in the West and the struggles between quality and deadlines and manpower. It's a constant battle. Um, and unfortunately, that's just the way business is in America. And I'm not saying that there aren't things similar in other countries, but what I'm saying is that it works a little different here. And that's completely mm-hmm. clear. I mean, we're seeing some of the giants have huge, huge layoffs, and we clearly have reached some sort of bubble here. Um, but I actually didn't even know you had this in here. Um, but yeah, 23 million units. Holy fuck, that's a lot. Um, I'm super glad to see it's doing well. I wasn't I wasn't surprised to hear that after the announcement there was a bit of a spike. Two years, I can't believe it already. Um, yeah, but what do you guys think about the announcement? Yeah, looks awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got to finish it, bitch. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> Dave and I have. Dave, you're probably not jumping in, huh? You've had your fill. Fuck yeah, I'm jumping in. I want to start a new playthrough. You kidding me? <laughs> Let's go. I will. I will, I already. I. I have all of my PS5 characters leveled for you, Dave. I'm ready. 
that's I, I, sorry. I got to go back to the Bloodborne thing for a second before we get into the uh, Shadow of the Earth Tree circle jerk. But uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, Brandon. I, I don't understand why he would um, sort of mention waiting for new hardware when we saw what Bluepoint did with Demon Souls. And I, I last week or the week before, I like I feel that's the best looking game I've ever played on PlayStation Five. Yeah. It and it's amazing. like, what makes you think that, you know, Bloodborne couldn't have the same treatment and, and you're 100% right. And I think it's, it's astute that you've kind of pointed out that like, he can say what he wants, they don't own the IP. But the fact that he's talking about it and the way that he's kind of worded these things makes me think that some thought has been put into this. Um, so it could be a thing somewhere. It could be something that's being worked on or just something that's been considered. So that's a positive thing, but. Totally yeah. conjecture here. I have no, this is just me guessing. But I'm going to present it as a fact because that's how it works in this industry. Uh, <laughs> PS5 Pro Bloodborne remake confirmed. Blue Point. Yeah, probably Blue Point. Dude, maybe he should... just maybe he knows it's coming with new hardware. It should just... be Blue Point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, From's busy. Like, yeah. I'm not saying they couldn't do a great job. That's not what I'm saying. It's just not like give them their space. They're making new things. Give it to Blue Point. Tried and mm. true, buddy. Tried and yeah. true. Yeah. Um, Shadow of the Earth Tree. It's like it's great to see FromSoft trying to swing for the fences with every little thing they do. I mean, they could easily give us a DLC that's like a five out of ten FromSoft effort, and people would still love it. But with Shadow of the Earth Tree, it's it's like a whole new map, a whole new area. Uh, I think I heard like seven or eight new different weapon types, which is you know, if you know anything about a FromSoft game, especially Elden Ring, when everything's revolves around builds, like that is huge. Like the amount of different, like, like different builds people can make and, you know, all the different challenge runs that people can run through. It's, it's like, this is almost going to be like a standalone FromSoft experience. And I think I saw 10 bosses. Is that right? 10, 10 plus bosses. Dude, yeah. 10 um, plus bosses. And the DLC is supposed to be the size of Limgrave, which yeah, I'll pause you for Pretty one big. second, Dave. Miyazaki said that Elden Ring could be beat, what did he say, in like 40 hours? So what I'm saying is this man is underestimating every single time he says something because most people spend over 100 hours in the game. So yeah. who knows how big it actually is, if it's the size of Limgrave or if it's like actually significantly larger because he's kind of fumbled the... That dev the, math. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, all that for 50 bucks is... Um... It's kind of a no-brainer for me. I'm a little concerned about the difficulty level because I know with FromSoft games, their uh, DLCs can often kind of turn the difficulty up to 11. With Elden Ring, it's a little bit different because of you know the way you can approach challenge. But yeah, I mean, good for them. This is going to sell like hotcakes and they, they deserve it because again, they just seem to put maximum effort into everything that they do when they don't really need to. So yeah, good for them. Looking forward to this. Dude, literally the Shadow of the Erd Tree, just the trailer had more like story development and an art direction than some entire games. <laughs> like like literally, it's insane what they do. It's crazy. And I know I'm uh, just kind of jerking them off right now, but like <laughs> one of my favorite games. I'm sorry. Brandon Samwise uh, actually do you in the chat. He said Miyazaki <laughs> actually said, oh, quote, whatever. think bigger than Limgrave. Actually. Actually. Uh, but no, thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. Appreciate but so it, yeah, at least as big as Limgrave, it sounds like. So, well, uh, goodbye, London Studio. We'll miss you. Um, apologies, condolences to all the folks being laid off at Sony. 
uh hell yeah elden ring dlc and playing it and yeah i to circle all that around i think it is i think a lot of the layoffs we're seeing right now i mean there's layoffs everywhere at every tech company but a lot of it does have to do with the post-covid settling out i guess you could say because when everybody went remote they did have to bring on a lot of new people everywhere and so now they're realizing some of those people they don't need um that sucks i'm not saying that's that makes it okay uh, but I think that is some of it. So hopefully it doesn't mean long-term ramifications for Sony. I do think the gaming industry in general is in a tight spot, especially with Embracer and Tencent owning everything. But that's a different story for a different day. Speaking of uh, unexpected successes, or maybe not unexpected, but number three. Baldur's Gate 3 has hit over 10 million players since its launch, making a huge success for Larian Studios. However, some fans have been harassing developers over the game's mod support, despite ongoing efforts to implement it. Uh, an individual from, I don't know how to say his name, Michael Douse from Larian urged patience and support for the team, emphasizing the importance of constructive dialogue. Baldur's Gate 3 is, this is insane to me, still averaging over 645,000 players per day. Now, not concurrent, oh, but overall, 645,000 players per day. Brandon, I know you know you and I, big, big, big advocates, fans of Baldur's Gate Three. How does this make you feel? Ten million players across no, this, Steam, Xbox, PlayStation. This is very, uh, this is earned. Is what I'm trying to say. It really, this is like a once in a generation type game, um, and that was super clear last year. I mean, the Game Awards means nothing. It it could have not won Game of the Year, and it would still have the prestige. Um, the numbers this game is still pulling per day, not concurrent, mind you, but per day is just astronomical for any game. I mean, just truly. Um, I think it's obviously super lame that anyone's being harassed about anything. Um, I'm unfortunately not surprised because that's the way the internet works. Uh, people get to hide behind their veil of the internet and can say whatever they want and have very little ramifications. But um, your uh, titty physics mods can wait just a few more months <laughs> so the developers can go home to their friends and family. Um, There's already plenty of titty physics, titty, titty physics in the game. You don't even need the mods, you know? I'm starting a new playthrough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got to finish your first one, bro. I know, bro. I don't even want to talk about it, but um, I'm like almost 100 hours in, and I'm still in the third act. But uh, yeah. yeah, this is sad to see. I mean, it's just... It's a constant struggle between the toxicity of the internet and the good people that make the things we love. Uh, it's just a shame that we keep having to remind these toxic people that the more you harass the people that make the things you love, the less likely the thing you actually want to happen is going to happen. Um, and that just seems like common sense to me, um, but apparently that's in short supply now. So, um, yeah, Dave, I don't know what else to say. Uh, Dave, what do you, uh, when are you starting your Baldur's Gate 3 playthrough? Uninterested. What? Oh, you're fucking up. I, it's the CRPG genre. It's just not something I'm into. Um, yeah, same thing, bro. All of us, none of us were really. I mean, yeah. I've had some experience, but I've not. Yeah, I'm a normie. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm I'm just not interested right now. But a hundred hours. It, sorry, <laughs> it's tough for it. me. But I'm it. with you. I'm with you on the on the um, the modding thing, Brandon. We talked about this a little while ago 
Capcom, I think, where people mm -hmm. insisting that yeah. modding is something they're entitled to, and this is my right to have modding in my PC games, and it's just like it's not. It's it's like I I know you have it in all your Bethesda games, and you have a lot of fun with it, and you make silly mods, and you put them on the internet, and you get a boner when people download your mod, but it's not it's not a god given <laughs> right that you you be given modding rights in your game. How does it even make sense in in Baldur's Gate? Is something I want to know. Maybe it was in the previous entries, but. I don't know harassing developers because you you think you you've earned the right to have modding in your game is just ridiculous and it needs to stop. But it, but it won't because we have the internet and everybody can hide behind an avatar. Right. So and honestly, it's 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 gone a step further, Dave. It's not just to have the ability to mod because that's already a thing. The developers are going one step ahead and supporting the community by trying to natively add mods into the existing game so they're actually giving even more than they even reasonably should because most games don't allow you to just easily mod most game developers don't want you to do that yeah. but they're being nice enough to go above and beyond and say hey we're trying to add this natively in our game so it's easier for you and they're getting well, shit off you so. know what in 2022 a little game called battlefield 2042 launched without leaderboards so count your blessing Number four, yeah. this one is for Dave and Brandon both, but in different ways. Nier Automata, Square Enix's acclaimed action RPG, has reached a significant milestone with over 8 million units shipped and downloaded worldwide. The game's enduring appeal, characterized by its captivating story and engaging combat, continues to attract players even seven years after its release. The journey to 8 million sales began in 2017 when Nier Automata debuted on PC and PlayStation 4, quickly hitting the 1 million mark within two months. Over the years, it has earned numerous awards and nominations for its compelling narrative, innovative gameplay, and emotional impact. An enhanced version released for Xbox One in 2019 and expanded the game's audience by introducing new features and content, such as additional outfits and playable characters. I didn't throw this in there, Dave, but in celebration of 8 million units... Uh, there's a sale going on across pretty much all the storefronts. Should I buy it now? Uh, so, Dave, <laughs> when are you finally going to hop in? You've been talking about this one for a while. Well, I, I have to play. I'm, I know I'm you contractually have to. obligated to play it this year. So, right. um, yeah, I, I, I am aware of the sale. It's on my wish list, um, and it ends in two days. So I think I might pull the trigger. I might not play it just yet. Sure. But, um, yeah, what, I, what's, I'm really. What's it selling for right now? It's uh, 26 loonies, so I don't okay. know what that is in U.S. dollars. It's like $4, I think. So I think it's 22 but anyways, yeah. <laughs> it's it's about half off. So, okay. yeah, I mean, that's that's a great price for, for a game like that, and I'm excited to play it later this year. But um, I'm, I, I look quickly at the numbers for Near Replicant uh, just because I was curious. And I know that that's a remake, um, mm -hmm. and it was hovering around – approaching 2 million units sold. So I'm kind of wondering why Square Enix with with these kind of numbers hasn't cashed in a little bit more on this franchise. Um, I know, what's Yokotara, is that his name? Yokotara, yep. yeah. He's, my understanding of him is he's a bit of an eccentric and he's the kind of guy who, who probably, <laughs> much like Ken Levine, works at his own pace. So maybe that's what's holding them back. But um, yeah, it's great to see that, that this... This seems to be a franchise that can no longer be classified as as uh, niche mm -hmm. um, or cult. It's 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 a big franchise. It's a big game. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to to playing, and uh, I'll probably buy it before the sale ends. So yeah, Yokotaro uh, is 
as you mentioned, a bit eccentric. And I would imagine if they're letting him and paying him, um, he is making it. But he has said on multiple occasions, he always talks about just give me money. Just give me money to do it. I'll do it. Uh, he's an odd bird. Brandon, were you in the were you in the room with the panel with him at PAX East th- that year? I don't think I was. I was probably yeah. off gallivanting. It yeah. must have been just maybe it was the year just us and I went. I don't remember, but yeah, um, weird energy in the room. Of course, I mean it's PAX. There's always a weird energy in the room. But yeah. okay, you say the man's eccentric. He wears a mask in public. Not a mask, a helmet. <laughs> he wears a whole like. I rest my case. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm. You know, more power to him. I'm not. I'm not detracting from his 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 game. What I'm just mm-hmm. saying is that you're you are correct, Dave. Yeah, you're about to detract from his game. I can feel it, dude. Don't shame me on the Red Dead, dude. <laughs> well, I'm happy about it. Eight million sales. Hopefully, that what means. Was the, what was the quote, Brandon? Is is uh, is uh, Nier's combat was ass? I think that was the exact quote. Write it in stone, Dave. I'm not it's arguing with it. I'm just it's it's it's, it's going to be truth. playing in my head over and over again as I'm playing this. The first 45 minutes to an hour, I'm just like, is the combat ass? Is it ass? Just hold Almost. down the shoot button and then like just spam all the other buttons. Oh my like, god! Oh, you have to do the whole time. <laughs> all right. Well, you okay, Ben. <laughs> Brandon's Brandon's gone. He's not on the show anymore. <laughs> He's he takes me off stage, bro. The disgrace. I just got the hook. You know the like hook that comes in and pulls you off the side of the stage. I just got hooked off the goddamn stage, boys. Jesus. To to be in Helldivers two says Poot. Good. Lord. Yeah, he was mentioning that the other night. I mean, I'd it's not back. confirmed or anything. But I'd be back. Yeah. Blow yeah. off that skirt. Number five, concerns about the future of Apple's arcade has been raised by multiple sources, citing a decline in developer payouts and a shift towards family-friendly licensed games. Despite initial success, the service is now perceived as uncertain, with some developers describing it as having the smell of death. The decline in payouts began around October 2020, and a reboot in spring 2021 led to the cancellation of numerous projects, frustrating developers. Apple's strategy shift towards family-friendly titles with big IPs attached has left some developers feeling uncertain about the service's direction. Moreover, the opaque nature of Apple's bonus pool payments and the difficulty in obtaining marketing support have added to the developers' frustrations. While some hope for a turnaround prompted by competition from Netflix's gaming subscription service, Others believe arcade struggles stem from a lack of passion and investment in gaming at the company's leadership level. Now, I know none of us are really that big of um, mobile gamers, but Apple Arcade, when it came out, I did check it out. Uh, I think my phone came with a subscription or something, uh, or I got you know three months free or whatever it was. And uh, there, there were some quality games on there, but I did take a peek because I got a new phone recently and it had a thing and I didn't subs- I didn't redeem it or whatever, but it was like, check it out. So I was like looking around. I'm like, there's nothing on the new list here that I want to play. But Dave, have you have you really thought much about Apple Arcade since it came out? I actually forgot about it. Um, to be honest, I'm I really like the wording in this that it smells like death. So it's kind of like a you know a, a senior home of of gaming. Ooh. But um, it's <laughs> it's just Jesus. when your own developers are saying it smells like death in here. <laughs> Um, I don't know when I, when I think about Apple arcade and I think about what Amazon's starting to do with gaming, you know, not their, uh, like new world and, and the MMOs that they've invested in, but more of the game streaming stuff that they've been doing, um, with Luna and then what Netflix is trying to do it. It makes me think that like, 
in gaming, there's there's the extreme of the hardcore gamers, so I'll say us. And then on the other extreme, you have mobile gamers. And I kind of feel like Netflix and Amazon and Apple maybe overestimated the amount of people who could make up the middle. Like, is there a substantial amount of people who would see value in a subscription gaming service with, with like mobile-esque games that, you know, they wouldn't need to pay for when there's dozens and dozens and dozens of, of quality free games on your phone that, you know, are just ad supported or maybe have like a battle pass kind of thing. It kind of seems like that might be the case where the, you know, there isn't really that many people now who are interested in sort of that middle tier of gaming. Um, so yeah, I mean, who knows if Apple arcade will be around in a year, but it certainly seems like it's, it's not going to be in the, uh, in the context that it is now. So I don't know, Brandon, what are your thoughts on, on this? Yeah. I mean, I, I do tend to agree with you, Dave, as someone who doesn't gravitate towards mobile gaming, I feel like they are in an interesting spot. I feel like around launch was when they really were pushing some big and interesting titles, but things have kind of fallen off in recent time. Um, I feel like we live in a world where you can play Resident Evil on your phone natively. So why the fuck would I want to play a game that's like modern Flappy Bird or like golf with friends? I just I don't understand because I feel like most people are play the cheapest and most mundane game you possibly can or play something that's like a legitimate substantial experience. Ben, what was that? Um, what was that Annapurna game? Where you slide pathless. around with the bow and arrow. The pathless. The pathless. Great. There you go. That's a nice middle ground where you feel like you got some meat, um, but it's not exactly a big game. It's not exactly a small game. It's somewhere in between. That was the market they should have capitalized on. And if they would have provided that sort of value, I feel like people would have been more, more willing to give them money monthly. But unless you're pumping out games constantly in the middle like that, I just don't really see much of a value. I mean, at that rate, I might as well, you know, uh, cut my subscription for two months or three months, however much it is, buy a backbone, and, and then I can play goddamn whenever I want on it. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, same with Xbox. It's just there's too many other good options for me to be paying Apple this money, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I do agree it's incredibly funny that <laughs> the devs are saying that it smells like, you know... <laughs> What is it when you die? There's like the death crackle. Do you guys know this incredibly? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the death crackles are happening with, with the Apple gaming subscription right now. You could just hear it over the mic. I've actually heard that. It's a very eerie thing. Yes. Um, but uh, Have you heard yeah, it in dude, real life? Just... No, no. I, I've heard recordings of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I listen to a lot of weird podcasts. Apparently, um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a I'm I'm the moody brooding type Ben. Yeah, um, I know. But I know. <laughs> do we have a name for I, the show? <laughs> <laughs> that's the why I got crack. a couch. That's why I got a cow shirt on. Um, <laughs> but uh, Apple Arcade is in the grave, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, if only you could play Fortnite on your Apple phone, that would maybe that mm. would fix some, some mm. issues. If you would have offered Epic a reasonable cut for the money that they're earning. I think that maybe you would have been making more money. They but might that wouldn't have, make... have helped Apple Arcade. That would have no, no, but, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is that if instead of investing in Apple Arcade, you then invested in Epic and said, we're going to take a smaller percentage than anyone else because the amount of revenue that's generated from this is insane. 
maybe you would have made more money than Apple Arcade. And I would bet that a lot of the money they are making from Apple Arcade is because it's tied in with people's Verizon subscription. It's tied in with their AT&T. It's tied in with their fucking Peacock. Or people have forgotten about it because most people have. Yeah. The end. Yeah. I don't know if this is typical, but I I got this phone about two weeks ago. And... I got some some notifications on previous phones or you know during promotions or whatever, but I'd say the amount of notifications, hey, you have three months free with your new phone for Apple Arcade, the amount of notifications I've got has to exceed two dozen in yeah. two weeks. It's it's stupid. Also, I want to say in chat real quick, Alex, you are correct. Golf of Friends is good. Yeah. It was just the first game. It was actually one of the only ones I could remember that was actually decent. So unfortunately, I had to flame it because it was the only one that came to memory. So, hey, and shout out to the Pathless. Dude, the I Pathless don't know how it is on Apple Arcade, but on PS Five, one of the most overlooked gems of the generation so far, in my opinion. Annapurna, man. I uh, I platted that game right off the bat, man. That was that game was such a vibe for sure. Um, let's see here. Number six, I think. We're going to skip around a little bit. Uh, PSVR potentially coming to PC. PSVR 2, that is. Uh, Sony, this is a really short one. It's just speculation, but Sony Interactive Entertainment is currently testing PC support for its PSVR 2 headset with plans to launch in 2024 this year, the company announced. Oh, they announced it. I I misread. I didn't actually write this up. I just saw it and put the link in here. In a PlayStation blog post featuring updates on upcoming PlayStation VR 2 games, Sony Interactive Entertainment content communications manager Gillen McAllister said, Quote, we're pleased to share that we're currently testing the ability for PlayStation VR 2 players to access additional games on PC to offer even more game variety in addition to the PSVR 2 titles available through the PlayStation 5. Get as many many buzzwords in there as possible. We hope to make this support available in 2024, so stay tuned for more updates. No more updates were announced yet. Dave, you know, the three of us have varying interests in VR and and using it and everything, but... um, We've said, all three of us have been consistent in saying, like, you've got this awesome new headset, make it possible to work on PC. And I know that the first PlayStation VR eventually was able to be played on PC, but it took some modding to be able to do it. But native support, I think that's big. Does it point to something bigger for Sony? I don't think so. I think this is the death crackle for the PSVR mm, 2, frankly. Yeah. Um, they death seem rattle. to be... This is them looking for for more players because they haven't found them in their existing customer base, which, I mean, we all kind of saw coming. The PSVR 2 was priced very high at a time when people probably couldn't afford it, and they haven't really put any captivating hardware, or sorry, software out there to make people want to pick it up. Um, I suspect Beat Saber is still the best seller on PSVR 2 or or is among the best. so yeah, I don't know. I think this is a swing and miss for Sony, the PSVR two in general, and this is that them just trying to to find some new life for for something that probably won't will be a distant memory in a couple of years. I would I would suppose. I hope I'm wrong because I mean, I I, I want a reason to purchase something like this. I really do. And and you know the Gran Turismo thing was cool, but it you know th- that that wasn't really a a solid effort. I mean that was an existing game that is better on the console and you know just kind of works pretty well on psvr too so i would like to see sony put uh you know a concerted effort into making me want to buy this thing but 
in concert with the first story we talked about today. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So this is this is a sign of the end to me potentially. Brandon, with uh, with Sony bringing so many of their games to PC, and especially with Helldivers two third third party, but or second party, I guess. Um, are they going to you know? It, are we going to see? Is it just going to be PSVR games on PC, or are we actually going to see you know use it with everything? No, no. I disagree with Dave. I think that this is a good thing for PSVR 2. I think that this is the only saving grace for PSVR 2. We had a lackluster PSVR 1 launch, okay? It it made merely a splash, merely a puddle. It, it, it was lackluster, and I was hoping, for the sake of the medium, that the PSVR 2 would make a bigger wave, not just a splash this time. But the reality is, is the software is still not here. And Sony knows that it's not selling as they wanted to. And so the saving grace for this console is not to just offer PlayStation VR titles on PC. The saving grace for this hardware is to allow you to use this hardware for other things. Truly, I think that is what's going to save this thing. Um, and really, I don't think that Sony has much of an interest in putting out a lot of good software. I mean, they've kind of proven that for two generations. Now, I'm not saying there hasn't been gems there. I'm not saying there hasn't been games that have been interesting, but they're also, you know, the majority of the games on PSVR 2 and PSVR 1 that were the best games you could possibly get were also available on other systems. So I really do think this is actually imperative for Sony to do, um, not only because they've recently showed... And, you know, obviously the whole gaming industry is in a mix up as far as cr the crossing of lines from North Korea and South Korea, so to speak. <laughs> but uh, truly, it's it's they're dipping their toes into the PC space and it makes complete sense for them to do what they're doing with this, because I really think this will help save what seems to kind of almost and maybe I'm wrong, Ben. It seems to be a bit of a dying ecosystem. Like, seriously, the PSVR 2 came out. And it's been a fucking whimper and not a bang. And I really think this will kind of revitalize the hardware because I'm not saying it's bad hardware. Like, it's decent for what you're paying for. I just think that there's not much of an incentive to get this over the Quest 2. But if you can get a nice piece of hardware and maybe spend a little bit more than a Quest 2, but you can also play your other games on it, there's much more of a selling point to me if they do this in that way. Yeah, it came out just over a year ago at this point and it's been dead for a while in my opinion yeah. so yeah anything they can do to revitalize it is great because it is it is an amazing machine like it's you know the valve index is by all accounts phenomenal i've never used one and but it, you know, oculus double the price yeah it is <laughs> you know and, and the, que like... the quest 2 is nice but it's not you know it's not, but the the psvr 2 seems i mean I've, i have used one of those it's phenomenal but if you don't give me any software, I don't care. You know, yeah, amen, man. And I'm not buying an Apple Vision Pro for $3,500. Dude, fuck no. I would buy every headset. I would buy three headsets before I would buy one of those. <laughs> like, I would just nope. buy all of them. And you'd still have money left over. And you would still have, you know, yeah. thousands of dollars. So, number seven, Thunderful's recent release, SteamWorld Build, did not meet expectations, with the CEO attributing its performance to the genre not resonating well with the Switch audience, despite contributing to record sales in Q4. 
The company is undergoing restructuring, affecting around 20% of its staff, aimed at addressing past overinvestments. This includes considering the potential sale of bridge constructor publisher Head Up, acquired in 2021, as it doesn't align with Thunderful's new strategy. Now, I really just wanted to throw this in there because I wanted to give uh, SteamWorld Bill a little more shine. I don't know that SteamWorld Build is my favorite game of theirs. It's actually definitely not my favorite game of theirs. I would say SteamWorld Quest is probably my my favorite game of theirs. But uh, I love Thunderful. I love the SteamWorld games specifically. It's a shame it underperformed, though. I don't think... Did either of you guys have a chance to check it out? It, it was on Game Pass. Honestly, if it hadn't been on Game Pass, I wouldn't have even seen it um, because I didn't see a lot of marketing for it ahead of time. But I wonder no. if that has something to do with it. Yeah, I imagine it's hard to advertise as a small company like that to get in your well, face. Hold up, though. Let's just think about what you just said, though. You of all people, I know. didn't know that it came out. So, what does that mean for literally everybody else? Uh, in fairness, I intentionally don't go looking for new releases or trailers or anything. So, yeah, but the, I'm maybe but like, a bit of an oddball in that know, sense. You're on Twitter. You're on Reddit. We yeah. do this show every week. Yeah. It's like. I'm not saying that that's the reason it did poorly. Maybe, you know, I'm not saying they should have dumped a, a couple more million into marketing. But what I'm saying is that, like, I feel like that means something. You just said, like, truly. Um, I didn't check it out. Um, it didn't look like the type of game I'd be interested in necessarily. The whole city building aspect doesn't fully intrigue me. But, you know, they make good games. I mean, SteamWorld Dig was amazing. And so, you know, they know how to make games. So. Dave, this is not about SteamWorld at all, but I wanted to point out to you that uh, Johnny Waffles has now been in the chat with three or four different YouTube accounts at this point. Um, <laughs> so if you wanted to know if it's the same person presenting themselves as all the different wrestlers, I think you might have your answer. Okay. Well, I was actually wanted to talk about SteamWorld for a second. But, but you uh, can do that. I just wanted to... Yeah, Steam World's wild because like this is a franchise that's that I think intentionally tries like several different genres. Like we had Dig, which was I don't know a digging game, and then there was Quest, and then Heist, and I think they had a tower game too. And now they have a city builder. The problem with this is, um, I I I I, I can't back this up, but I suspect that Steam World has built their their fan base probably on console and a city builder in my opinion probably doesn't work too well on console they mentioned the switch specifically in this article and i cannot imagine playing a menu input heavy game like a city builder on my nintendo switch so i mean that might you, have the triple a king of switch gaming yeah exactly. of all people so that, of all people <laughs> they should have asked me they really should have they, asked they really me should've. so I mean, when you're taking that many risks with jumping from genre to genre, you're going to come to a point where it just doesn't work. So hopefully this isn't the end of SteamWorld games because I agree with you guys. They're really, really good. I've played Dig and Quest, and uh, I had a lot of fun. I think one of the only games that Ben Smith gave a 10 out of 10 on Handsome Phantom Reviews. So, um, yeah, I uh, hope this isn't the end. That's for sure. Yeah, agreed. Now we're going to get to what we've been playing, but first I have one more news story. Uh, that I just wanted to read that's kind of related. Number whatever we're on, eight, I think. Skull and Bones, <laughs> Ubisoft's pirate game, has struggled to gain momentum since its recent launch, with only about 850,000 players, including free trial users. Despite offering an eight-hour free trial, engagement remains low, possibly due to its $70 price tag for a live service title. 
The game's future success is uncertain, despite plans for year one content updates and new seasons. So on to what we've been playing. Dave, uh, what have you been playing, by the way? Oh, you threw right to me. I thought just, I assumed you guys were playing it too, so I just I thought you you guys were all gonna jump in there. But uh, no, no, I I haven't. It's uh, uh, unfortunately not surprising news um, that it it hasn't really hit the way that uh, I think Mr. Guillemot was hoping for. Um, this game had a hilarious development cycle, and uh, you know I think people just don't really give ubisoft games the respect that they maybe reserve uh, deserve because uh i'm still playing this game and i'm still having a great fucking time it's uh i wish i had more time to play it but uh everything i've done in the game is um i'm, I'm having a really really good time with it um there are like world events that pop up and world events aren't something that are new but uh it it just works so well in this game they they have these elite captains that show up on the map and you have like 20 minutes to get there and take them out um and they're really tanky so like they're supposed to be co-op events um so basically when you see it on your map you know you kind of make the decision okay i'm going to go for it and you can call for help so that'll signal to any other players in the instance that you're going to go do it please come help me and like you kind of over as you approach the ship you can see it on the horizon and you can pull at your spyglass and you can see kind of what you're going to be dealing with and you've got a couple minutes because you're sailing so you're you're kind of preparing and stuff and i had one of these instances where i got really close to the ship and i didn't really see anybody so i'm like fuck i'm gonna get my shit kicked in but then like i kind of pan around and i see a couple ships coming on the horizon and i pull up my spyglass and sure enough it's two other players who were coming to help me so yeah it's just been a lot of really like epic and fun moments like that um there's a lot of treasure maps that you find because obviously it's a pirate game and you can either buy them or loot them or you get them from quest givers um and and i'm really enjoying that part of the game too because i feel like the treasure maps just give you like just enough to kind of like start you know just enough to piece together where you might need to go to find this treasure and and it's a really satisfying moment when you when you get to the outpost where you think the treasure is and you dock and you get off your boat and you get this little alert that says the treasure you're looking for is on this island and you're like amazing and you go and you find it and it's really cool like that so, just like real life yeah exactly yeah. um i built my fourth ship now it's a sloop it's still considered a small ship but it it's you know you start with a dow and you know i'm on my fourth ship was again still small and it's it's like a considerable upgrade and it's just that's how much depth i'm finding in kind of the different upgrades that you have for your ships um my first ship was dog shit it um it was called the hms handsome phil and uh my current ship brandon <laughs> is called the hms handsome ginger so yes. you guys are each getting a ship so thank you um, i assume yeah, i'll be I'm, the one when you upgrade your ship to a bigger size that'll be me you were my cutter you were my second ship oh so okay it's still yeah. i still really like that ship it's it's a little bit more tanky not as fast as is the hms handsome ginger so yeah that adds up yeah i i don't just you know i i'm enjoying this game the uh the season one smugglers pass just came out this week i just kind of went through it today it's got all the cosmetic stuff that you would expect i don't know if i'm going to be playing this game like consistently over the course of the year but i'm still having a really good time with it uh but i'm i'm not expecting it to succeed and i i wouldn't be surprised if it was on subscription services fairly quickly just because this is the kind of game that needs a player base um but yeah 
uh, Skull and Bones still having a really good time with it, and uh, I wish I wish more people would give it a shot. I'm not saying yeah. go out and spend full price on it, but you know if it does come on subscription services, I think it's it's worth a look because it's, it's it's a pirate game and it's a really good one, and we don't have a lot of them. So yeah, yeah. Dave, yeah. I'm not being condescending. Legitimate question: How long till the servers shut down? <laughs> uh, I don't know, five years. <laughs> all right, all right, that's fair. Know. That's fair. That's fair. We've just seen a quick turnaround with some of these games. I guess they've not been newbie games, but still. Yeah. Anything Good. else, Dave? Uh, I've also been playing more Deep Rock Galactic Survivor. Um, I had um, a film moment, and uh, I don't know if this story's been told on this podcast, but um, Phil, uh, did, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he play Fallout 4 over Encumbered? and didn't know about encumbered (laughs) and he just thought that's just how slow you move so i had a moment like that in in survivor where um a lot of the classes you play like again because it's an auto shooter they will shoot in all different directions but there's one class where uh, i didn't realize but the gunner class you actually need to be facing your target for them to shoot at the target otherwise they will just um not shoot unless there's a target in front of them so i was just constantly running away from these swarms of enemies i'm like i really like this class but i i feel like he should be doing more damage and then i suddenly turned my enemy or sorry my gunner and he started just mowing everybody down and i'm like oh okay so <laughs> that's how that works but yeah i got to the second biome i've unlocked the the scout is the one you start with i've unlocked the gunner and the engineer i really don't like the engineer but i really like the gunner and um yeah, this is this is uh, this is a one more game kind of game where it's really hard to put down. Um, and uh, I'm in the Discord, so I'm hearing a lot of the um, the feedback that the devs are getting, and it, it appears that they have a really good community. And again, this game is in um, an open beta, so it's it's not even a full release yet. So uh, early yeah, access, still, early, early access, access. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping there's a lot more to come from this game because it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Dave, I'm I'm loving it as well. Um, it, you're right about it being the one more game kind of thing. Uh, just out of curiosity, because I feel like I mean, obviously, there's always improvements or changes that game can make. But I'm just wondering, as you mentioned, uh, Deep Rock has such a great community. What are some of the things being proposed? Like anything that uh, makes sense to, to you? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of people are asking for co-op. Oh, sure. And yeah, obviously like deep rock galactic is is such like when you think about it you think call when this game came out the first thing i did was message brandon and ben you were away and i said brandon deep rock galactic survivor is coming please let me know if you want to play and then i i looked at it a little bit closely i'm like oh it's a single player game so i absolutely um, would have played it with you as just like a preface there like 10 out of 10 would have played and i i don't know if if auto shooters are commonly co-op games but i feel like it can be done and uh you know if this game is going to have a long development cycle like it, it should because it's got a lot of support then i think that would be one thing that would really help it uh grow but i mean other than that there's a lot of people asking for balance changes and different weapons and um i'm sure there's a lot of people who got to the end on day one so they just want more content but uh yeah, there's they they've got a strong following of people who are giving them suggestions on what they could do to make the game even better than it already is. My favorite uh, class is what's the what's the one who digs, who like has uh, the th- has the, the driller. driller the driller. Thank you. Yeah, the guy who digs the driller. That makes sense. Uh, I really like him, but I because you could just mow through like the rocks. 
The I guy mean, with the drills. The, the guy with the drills. It's technically only a 2%. I think at the, at the base, it's only 2% faster uh, over you know the other characters that have a pickaxe and just mine through. But it feels so much better for some reason um, to, just, to just gun right through there, to, well, ben, to drill right through there. That's because it's 2% better. It feels 10% better. Absolutely. <laughs> Brandon, on to you. Short and sweet, boys. I've been playing Helldivers. That's it. That's literally it. That's all I've been playing. I can't stop playing it. Um, and I've only been playing can... Helldivers and Deep Rock Survivor. So, can you can you guys give us an important server update for the past seven days? An amazing server update, to be honest with you. Um, in, in the past week, I felt kind of bad recommending it. Right, like guys I work with, I'd recommend it. And for like the first week, I felt okay about it. But in good good conscience, the second week, I could not recommend it to anybody. Um, they added AFK kick after 15 minutes. And the servers were increased from 450,000 to 700,000, at least right now. Um, and there's been some speculation on Twitter. Uh, the Arrowhead CEO is saying that they've maybe sold around 300 million copies, which is huge. 300 million? Or I'm sorry, Jesus Christ. Three million? Three million. Three. Okay. One, two, three, count them. Three. I was like, 300 million. Yeah. We got an all-time classic here now. <laughs> That's more than Minecraft, I'm pretty sure. They wish. All right. Three million. But nonetheless, what I'm trying to say, after I've completely fumbled this, is that it's doing well. Zero queue time, no matter what time of the day, at least right now. I know it's going to continue to grow in popularity, but I hope instead of you know them having a couple weeks to fix this, now they're going to be able to see a slow increase to the player count and they'll be able to adjust on the fly. But amazing game, super fun. Um, last night we were playing on Insanity, I think, was, which is... Yeah, one of the top three is, difficulties. Which is two from the top. Um, so and there's another one above that and then Helldivers, something like that. Um, so... We're getting there. I'm really excited to keep going. The hard stuff is super fucking fun. It's really, really stressful, but it's really fun and super rewarding. So um, can't talk highly enough about this game at a $40 price tag. I can't say anything I haven't already said other than, you know, even, you know, I will say something new. I've been playing a lot solo and I've been queuing with people and it's been a mostly very good experience, which is not something that I can say with a lot of other co-op games. Um, obviously you get a stinker here and there, you get a person that's AFK, you know, that, that was more of an issue pre-patch than it is post-patch, but you get people that, you know, just kick you as soon as you get in the lobby, maybe because they didn't mean it to be open, you know, just stuff like that. But for the most part, I've had a really positive experience, even on the more difficult missions. So shout out to the community. Um, I've been seeing some weird stuff go around on Twitter who knows if it's just sensationalized shit about people team killing and all that nonsense and people trying to discourage min-maxing and stuff, just kind of have fun with it. And I love that. That's that's why this, this game is so great. They've even come out and said they're not interested in PvP at all because it it harbors a better community when you're not competing against each other. And I think that's kind of the best part about this story is that it fully feels like a team experience with everybody. And I think that really does provide a good experience overall. And to be honest with you, I want to touch on this that I didn't touch on is, is it it's interesting how the narrative 
of this game will be shifted depending on how the player interacts with the game. And that's something that doesn't always happen in games. Um, so I'm going to be really interested to see how things change as time goes on um, and player counts fluctuate. So love yeah. this game, man. We'll be playing later. Probably going to be streaming later. Um, but yeah, super, super, super good game. Yeah, I'm having a blast with it as well. I think I'm over 50 hours now in the game, which is absolutely insane. A lot of that's due to the fact that it's like, hey, all the boys are playing, time to hop in. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. But uh, Brandon, to your point about not having a lot of... Um, I, I, I think I told you this, but I was I saw an article, I think it was on Twitter, about people not realizing that resources are shared. Right. So they're they're team killing people so that they can get the, the rare samples or whatever from them. Uh, so this is just a PSA that your resources are shared, not your ammo Everything and stuff like that, but, is shared but, but all the, ammo. all the pickups, they're all shared. So stop team killing each other if you're doing that. But no, it's, it's a phenomenal game. Really good community. It seems like, um, just, just so much fun. Dave, I wish you could be playing with us, man. I, I do too. I think you'd like it quite a bit. You gotta get, you gotta dust off that PC or maybe supercharge it. Something like yeah. that. Someday, maybe that's it. That's all we got. That's all we got for the show. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Don't forget, you can join us over on patreon.com slash handsome phantom for as little as a dollar a month. See us there. We appreciate it. You can also join us on Discord, handsomephantom.com slash Discord. Real easy to remember, hopefully. Um, that's it. We'll hang out for just a couple minutes here. Talk to people who are in chat. Other than that, we'll see everybody later. Au revoir. Au revoir. That sounds like something Eve's Gilmont would say. <laughs> the HP Podcast is sponsored by our proud patrons over at patreon.com slash handsomephantom. The following members are at the $5 level, and we appreciate their contribution. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Grabalicious, Benji Bop, and Link.